Well, good morning. I wonder if you might just pause for a moment and just think, what do you like in the pause space? How do you respond to that? Are you someone who rushes faster, rushes slower? How do you go with that? Why don't you just turn to the person next to you for a moment and just have a quick conversation. Are you good in the pause, in the slower, or do you find that challenging? And if so, why? Go ahead for a moment. Just have a chat. together this morning. All right, I think we're going to do that. There it is. We've got, we'll do this here. Do that there. Terrific. Hey, glad to have you back here with us. When I was a high school teacher in a former life, they said there was uh, the one worst condition you could possibly look for. So it could be driving rain and you could deal with that. It could be beating down sun and you could deal with that. But if it got windy, it would get into the kids' heads and their bodies and it would drive them a little bit silly. So if anyone's feeling a little bit that way this morning, I completely understand. And uh, I've just got to say, Jackson... If uh, I was sitting down the front here, if you had seen his music sheets were going everywhere, he did an awesome job of actually just keeping the whole thing going. So, Jackson, well done as well. If you're joining us online this morning, glad to have you here with us this morning. We are outside, under the trees, and with the wind as well. If you're visiting here with us for the first time this morning, you're probably hearing this idea of breathing and think we're just a community of people that gather together to breathe. However, we're using it as a figure of speech, a metaphor, for tuning into God's voice and attending to some of the things that are deeper going on in our lives. 23 years ago, I was saying last last week, when we first started this, this theme, this idea of a strategic theme for 2022, learning to breathe again, I encountered my first full-blown panic attack. 
I woke up in the middle of the night. I was short of breath. I thought I was having a heart attack. So what do you do when you're having a heart attack? You get in the car and you drive yourself to the local hospital because they're the ones who are going to fix you. Got to the local hospital, spent the night there. They probably knew what was going on for me. No one had attended to me the entire night, so I left the hospital, went to my local GP, and after describing some of my symptoms, they said, Troy, watch this. And as I watched the video recording of someone sharing about their experience, I said, that's me. A week or two later, I caught up with a friend. And as we're sitting in a cafe, he turns to me and he said, Troy, I really believe that this is one of the greatest opportunities of your life. I said, come again, because <laughs> I feel dreadful. He said, well, I've experienced these kinds of things that you're describing a couple of times in my life. And I found them to be times in my life when I sense that I need to go deeper in understanding myself. And it's an invitation to go deeper with God. And so I needed to learn to breathe again. That is, I needed to learn to breathe in and ask God, where am I? To pause and ask God, where are you? And then to exhale with new purpose, asking God, where do you want to join me? Sorry, God, where do you want me to join you? in what you're already doing. As the leadership have got together and talked about our strategic focus for the year, we realize that as a community, we need to learn to breathe again. We need to inhale and ask that critical question, where are we? As a leadership team, we're going to be taking that seriously this year and asking ourselves the question, if we planted new community again, what would we do differently? Who do we need to be becoming for the cultural setting in which we find ourselves right now? And God, how do you want us to join you in your activity? How do we initiate people into faith? How do we grow them? And we realize that you're asking the same questions, but in a different way. Our culture and our community right now is asking the questions, what do we pick up? And what do we put down in light of the last two years? This week I checked my notes from March last year. And I had a little footnote in the notes that said something like this. I think it'll take us about 12 months to settle. <laughs> well, I reckon we could just add another 12 months on. And in the midst of it all, we're asking ourselves a critical question. What things do I actually want to pick up again in my life? What are the things that I want to put down? for my workspace, for my family lives, individually and personally? What are the things that just seem to me to be one too many things, an extra thing that seems to be like just too much? And so I need to learn to breathe again. The ancients were right when they said that the seat of our emotion is our stomach. Because my diaphragm right here was like an elastic band that was stretched so tight that just another little stress and another little challenge along the way would just actually cause it to tip over. I needed to learn to breathe again as a person and with God. I was looking at a diagram this week that described the six different stages of faith. It went something like this. The first three stages seem quite apt. When someone comes to know Jesus and they open up their life to him, 
He draws beside them, fills them with his spirit, and it's as though they find a new place, a new setting in the world. And then the second part of that stage of faith the person was describing is this integration into a community life. It's almost as though you enter into a new family experience, a new community of people that you're engaged with. The third stage is mapped by someone discovering that they have gifts and talents and capacities to serve and to build up and to encourage that body, that living organism, that, that church community in practical ways. And then the person said this, and stage four hits is usually met with a crisis. You hit a curveball. Something comes your way and you haven't foreseen it. Maybe there's a critical challenge, a health issue a breakdown of some sorts. And you find yourself scrambling again and trying to apply all the things that you've learned in those first three stages into the fourth stage. Says, but the only problem with that, though, is often the complexities that we're facing in that new stage, that fourth stage, that critical stage, the things that we learn in the first three stages are no longer appropriate or apt for actually enabling you through that. So the person said, usually what happens is one of three things. Someone who's been embracing faith will decide, this stuff doesn't work. God doesn't work. We had this unspoken kind of rule. God does his thing. I, does my, I do my thing. It all kind of works out in the end. And when someone tries to apply that construct to complex things in their life that can't just fit into that rubric, they decide, well, this no longer works, and they jettison it. The second thing that happens is, equally in a different way, challenging, but real, is that sometimes people, they decide, well, what I need to do is snap back and operate in the same way, in the same paradigm I had. And so it's, it, they said it's as though they do the ostrich kind of response where they just sweep things under the carpet, put on the happy face, and go on as though nothing actually happened. They reappropriate the exactly the same thing. He said, however... There's some who decide. They see that perhaps in the midst of their adversity that God is calling them deeper into a deeper space where he wants to meet with them in a new way, in a fresh way. And what they need to do is start to embrace and reconfigure a complex way of relating to God to deal with the complex circumstances and situations in our life. And 23 years ago, that's what I needed to do. I needed to learn to breathe again with God. And for me, that meant embracing a pause space in the routine of my life that had more to do with sitting with God and listening to Him rather than coming to Him with a list of pleasers. <laughs> it's not as though those pleasers were wrong. It's just that I needed to draw upon him in a different way. So if we got a little bit more intimate this morning, what that meant for me was this. Carving out times in my schedule where I would sit down on the ground, breathe deeply, close my eyes, perhaps put some quiet music on, and imagine myself beside a stream where Jesus would come and meet with me. In my mind's eye, we'd dangle our feet in the water. And I would just draw close to him. 
And in that space, as I offloaded the different experiences and things that I was feeling, as I began to slow my mind, perhaps to the pace of the stream, I began to encounter God in a different way. I began to discover that he spoke in the silence, not always loudly, not always clearly, but that there was a power and a grace and a proximity that was cultivated in those times that sometimes went from 15 minutes to half an hour to 45 minutes that enabled me to appropriate a new depth in my spiritual journey with him that would allow for him to sustain me in the midst of my struggles. I wonder if you're here this morning and you've been thrown a curveball. I wonder if you're here this morning and you're wondering, what do I pick up and what do I put down? What's just one more thing as we're all running through the lists and figuring out what's important to me in this next phase of my life post-COVID? You see, the leadership team here is convinced that we will rebuild and repair when together we learn to engage and worship the one true living God together. Many years ago, I remember walking from the church space where I was, Bron and I were working, and my son Jacob was walking behind me. I was so set on getting home, and I remember talking to him over my shoulder. You know how parents can do that? Talk to you over their shoulder? As we're marching forward to get home to do something, I remember him being lost in the distance and he called out with this, <laughs> not so much small still voice, but it was one that went something like this, Dad, would you slow down? And I remember in that moment, hearing the voice and stopping, turning around and walking back to him, thinking to myself, how on earth am I going to be able to communicate with him when I'm walking so hard ahead? So I walked back, stood next to him, and began to pace my walk to the step of his tiny feet. I wonder if God might be asking us to do the same. I'm told of the early church desert mothers and fathers in the 3rd and 4th century. Jesus' followers would retreat around the region of Egypt into the desert because they wanted to seek God in the quiet. That began a pattern that's been present throughout the Christian tradition, the Jesus tradition for centuries. That was again cultivated with Columba. Not Christopher Columbus, but Columba who started an outpost in Iona where Jesus' followers would retreat on that island to be formed and shaped only to go out into those Celtic wild spaces of the Scottish highlands to talk to people about this person, Jesus. In the 12th century, you had someone like Francis of Assisi who would retreat and take a, a vow of poverty so that he could actually encounter God in the quiet space with others and then engage the community reaching out to the poor and disenfranchised 
with a posture of love because they had rubbed shoulders with their God that they believed they had discovered in the person of Jesus. And that tradition, as you asked them and pushed them, had one thing in common. They collectively were learning to slow their stride and to walk slow. Apparently, the desert mothers and fathers said that there were three things that would impede someone from actually walking and, and, and cultivating a deeper space with God. And the three things were this. The first one was hurry. The second one was crowds. And the third one was noise. So let me ask you a question this morning. Is the ambient noise level in your life low enough for you to hear the voice of God? Because it's from that space that you will be able to discern the question, God, where are you? And what would you like to say to me? Is the ambient noise level of your life low enough for you to hear the gentle whispers of God? Well, I've discovered that there's a fourth enemy. Hurry, noise, crowds, and there is this incessant conviction in our culture by the measure of our worth is determined by our productivity. Productivity is the thing that says you have to achieve loads of stuff to be important and significant. And we believe it. I was talking with a colleague, a friend, a few weeks ago. And he said, Troy, I went on one of those retreats. You could see him half roll his eyes. You know when your workspace says we're going to go on a retreat and do some funny stuff. He said, well, we, I went on a treat, a retreat. And in that retreat space, they, they said to me, uh, they wanted me to go for a walk. And it was a spiritual retreat. And I was wanting to get closer to God. So they said, what we're going to do is we're going to drop you off in this destination. And we want you to walk to this other destination. So he said, they dropped me off in the morning time. And I walked. And then I arrived at my destination. And they looked at their watches. And they said, hmm, strange. We weren't expecting you back so early. So he said, the next day, what they did is they dropped me further away from the destination I needed to get to. And as they dropped me there, he said, they, they just said, we want you to walk to that place. And so he said, I did. And when I got there, they looked at their watches and they said, hmm, we weren't expecting you this early. He said, well, I, I, I just walked and did what you told me to do. He said, so the next day they dropped me and they said, this is the furthest away we have dropped anyone on any of our retreats. And he said, lo and behold, when I got to the destination, I began to walk. I arrived in the place that they told me I needed to arrive to. And they looked at their watches and they said, you walk really fast. And he said, it was only then the penny dropped and I realized that the exercise wasn't about walking from point A to point B. It was actually learning to slow my walk so that I might meet with God. I wonder in learning to breathe again, if we need to begin to cultivate a routine and a practice in our lives that's life-giving, that invites you individually and us collectively to breathe in 
and ask the question, God, where are we? And to pause, to quiet your mind, and imagine yourself maybe beside a little stream, <laughs> maybe dangling your feet, and saying, Jesus, may I meet with you? Will you meet with me? And would you speak? Before we snap back into doing the same, same. You see, the art of the pause is not in just simply simplifying as though I just need to jettison things. Because in our human instinct, it's easy to just jettison things to simplify our life in order that we might curate the best kind of life for me. Pausing isn't retreating to close the doors to other people so that I can just get away from all of the noise and stay locked up in my own vicinity so I'm not disturbed. Learning to pause again is about carving out times in our schedules where we might be still and believe that when I create that space in my life and invite God into it, that he might come. So I thought we'd do that this morning. If you have a Bible with you, why don't you take it, turn to Matthew 11. Or if you've got an iOS device, why don't you take it and look up the Bible app, or in fact, go to our own new community app. And there's different versions of the Bible there that you can read as well. Matthew chapter 11. I just want to read to you a section from 25 to 29. And the backstory is this. Jesus' cousin John has been taken to jail by Herod. He's soon to be beheaded, killed. And he's hearing that Jesus is doing things out there in the community that kind of resonate but also kind of cause him to ask if he maybe picked the wrong pony. So he asks his disciples to go to Jesus and, and ask, are you the one or is there someone else coming after you? And Jesus says to him, go back and tell John, my cousin, that the blind see, the deaf hear, the lame walk, the dead are raised, <laughs> the poor have the good news that the kingdom of heaven is available for them as well, spoken to them. And that anyone who is not offended by me is blessed, truly, I tell you this. And then having had sent his disciples back to tell that good news message to John, Jesus then goes on to say, Woe to those cities where I, I came and did those things, and they just refused me and resisted. And then he turns to the people who are present before him. And he orchestrates the birds to sing simultaneously as he's speaking. <laughs> and he says these words to them. He chirped these words to them. Is anyone an ornithologist here? And is that a mating call or is that? 
At that time, Jesus said, 25, I praise you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because you have hidden these things from the wise and the learned and have revealed them to little children. Yes, Father, for this was your good pleasure. All things have been committed to me by my Father. No one knows the Son except the Father, and no one knows the Father except the Son and those to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. And then he goes on and he says these words. Come to me. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your weary lives and souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden, it's light. Come to me. Come to me, all you are weary and heavy burdened, and I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon yourself and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart. And you will find rest. You will find rest for your souls. See, the invitation of Jesus is not to, to believe things about him, but to carve out spaces in our lives where we might meet with him and come to him and pour out to him the challenges and the struggles and the hardship and, the, and to invite him to speak afresh. You see, the image that Jesus had is someone who has a heavy wooden yoke that they would carry and place upon their shoulders and with two cords, ropes, straddled on either side, they would take up a load and a burden and they would carry it. And Jesus invites you to come and invite him to place his life and yoke upon you. He says it's not heavy, but it's not unassuming. Nor is it necessarily just easy as though he makes no demands on you, but rather because he is gentle and kind and good that he might invite you to learn from him to trust him to obey him and to follow him because his life is good so we're going to come into a space right now where I would invite you to maybe dangle your toes to sit beside a river, to breathe in. Why don't we do that? Breathe in. Where are you, God? Where are we? And to pause and ask God, where are you? Because it would be so easy for you to make those critical life decisions for this year ahead based upon wanting to just simplify things. Because one extra thing is just too many. Or to just jettison things because it's got too hard. Or to simply retreat behind closed doors. Just to 
cut yourself off from others rather than first meeting with God, inviting him to speak to you and lead you. So why don't you imagine that now? You might want to close your eyes. You might want to gently place your hands by your side. Why don't you breathe in? Where are we, God? Where am I? And pause. Jesus, where are you? Would you speak to me? At that time, Jesus said, I praise you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because you have hidden these things from the wise and the learned and revealed them to little children. Yes, Father, for this was your good pleasure. All things have been committed to me by my Father, and no one knows the Son except the Father, and no one knows the Father except the Son, and those to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart. You will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. What do you need to offload? you need to invite Jesus to speak to you about in this space. Carving out chunks of pause to meet with your maker. Why don't we sing together?